my name is Alex Barthet. I am a board certified construction attorney here in Florida. And today we're going to talk about how do you get paid after you send that notice of non-payment, your bond claim on those bonded jobs. So let's get right into it. Let's talk about what's on today's agenda. We're going to talk about what a bond claim is. We're going to talk about what the deadlines are. So we're all on the same page about what those deadlines that you need to be tracking are. Um, I'll mention the new notice of non-payment form uh, just briefly because uh, it's pretty old now, a few years old. Uh, everyone should be using the new form. If you use Sunray, you're definitely using the new form. Uh, but I just want to uh, make sure that everyone's on the same page with that. And then we'll talk about the meat and potatoes of the presentation, how to get paid after making the bond claim. All right, let's get right into it. So what is a payment bond claim? A payment bond secures a lienor's right to payment. As you know, instead of uh, when you do work on a private job where there is no bond, your right is a claim against the property. There are ways for that property to be exempt from liens. And the main way to do that is to have a bond. The bond is not posted by the the owner, the bond is posted by the general contractor. Almost every public project has a bond and many large private projects have bonds. Typically a bond may be required by a lender uh, on a private job and certain laws exist that require public jobs to have bonds. Do you know if a job is bonded? Well, the easiest way is if you use Sunray to do your notices to the extent that they find that in their research that the job has a bond, they will make sure to put that bond on notice. But if you wanted to do the work yourself, what you'll do is you'll look for the notice of commencement. Um, that's the document that's recorded at the beginning of a project. Reference to that bond should be made in the notice of commencement. This is on private projects. On public jobs, there's typically no notice of commencement. So the way you find out if the job is bonded is to look for a copy of the bond that's been recorded. So the contractor is supposed to record a copy of the payment bond when they start the project on a public job. So that's the way you can find out if a job has a bond or not. Now, let's talk about what the bond deadlines are, and we're going to break this down into a few major categories. So let's start with private bonded projects. So this would be a condominium building, an apartment complex, an industrial facility. These are private jobs, not public jobs. So what are the deadlines? Let's go through the general rules. If you have a contract with the bonded prime contractor, which means, which means you're a direct subcontractor, then you don't need to send a notice to owner or what's called, what is called with respect to bonded jobs, a notice to contractor. Now, I strongly recommend that you do. My advice to all of our clients is you should set up a process in your office where any job over a certain amount of money, you send a notice to owner. You don't start to dissect the rules to determine whether or not you need a, bond, a notice on this job and you don't need it on that one. Usually we find that that's when clients make mistakes is that they are trying to save a few bucks and they make a mistake 
and they, when they should have sent a notice, they didn't. Um, there's never any harm in sending a notice when you don't need one. There is a lot of harm if you should have sent one and you never did. So whether that threshold is $500, $2,500, $5,000 in your office, our advice is any job over that threshold should automatically be noticed um, early on. So if you have a contract with the bonded prime contractor, you don't need to send this first notice, the, the notice to owner, but you should. So then the next deadline that you need to serve, uh, that you need to keep track of is the notice of non-payment. This document needs to be served no later than 90 days from your last work on the project or last delivery of materials to the project. Just recognize that the last work does not include punch list work, warranty work, or or repair work to fix your defective work. So it's gotta be real work. It can be change order work that's approved, change order work that's approved, but it can't be punch list or warranty work. So this has to be done within 90 days of your last work. Remember also that 90 days is 90 uh, calendar days, not work days. Um, and the only exception to this 90-day rule is if the last day falls on a weekend or legal holiday, then you get to roll it to the next day. So, for example, if the 90th day was a Saturday, it would go to Sunday, and therefore it would go to Monday. And if Monday was um, a national holiday and therefore the post office and courts were closed, it would go to the Tuesday. Um, but otherwise, you're going to count every holiday and weekend throughout that 90 days until you get to the end. And then the last deadline that you need to keep track of is that you need to file a lawsuit on this bond no later than one year from your last work or delivery of materials to the project. If you don't file that lawsuit within the one year, you automatically lose any rights to make a claim on that bond. So um, one of the things you have to keep track of is that you may submit a bond claim, your notice of non-payment, you may be corresponding back and forth with the surety who's asking for information, you may provide certain backup, and you're thinking that everything is running according to plan, and then you find out that it's been more than a year, you will have lost your rights. Typically, the surety at that point will send you a letter denying the claim because it's time barred. It's, it's, you've waited too long. So don't fall into the trap of thinking that the surety is there to help you. If in a perfect world, they'd love not to pay you. Um, so the way that you keep them on point is to make sure that you don't let this one year from last work date slip to file a lawsuit in court to preserve your rights. So what are some of the other rules with respect to private bonded work? Well, I talked to you about what the rules are if you have a direct contract with the bonded contractor. So maybe it's the owner, general contractor, and you're the plumber. What if you're the sub subcontractor or the material supplier to a subcontractor? Um, what do you need to do? Well, the first thing you need to do is serve a notice to owner or notice to contractor within 45 days of your first work or delivery of materials to the project. 45 days is counted just like the 90 days. So you count every weekend and legal holiday, except when the 45th day may happen to fall on a weekend or legal holiday, you get a little extra time. 
one of the things you should absolutely be cautious about is that the 45th day, just as with the 90, 90th day, is the day it has to be received. So if you're starting the notice to owner process on day 43, you're going to have real problems because you're not going to get it to the into the owner's hands and all of the other people that need to get it by the 45th day. There is an interesting rule in the Florida statutes which says that if it gets sent a certain way um, by certified mail with what's called a, a, a mail log or a manifest that verifies that by the 40th day, 40, 40th day, it's been taken to the post office, then whether it's actually delivered or not, it's deemed served. So Sunray uses this uh, mail log system. And if you get the order to them early enough, they will meet that 40 days, 40, 40 days. Um, and then if the mail truck catches on fire, if uh, the mail actually never gets delivered, it doesn't matter because it's still deemed served so long as you have that manifest showing that it was brought to the post office. So that's another really important reason why you want to send your notice to owners early and not wait till the last minute. So that's step one, if you're a sub-sub or a material supplier to a subcontractor. The next step is like, like we talked about before, you need to serve your notice of non-payment within 90 days of your last work or delivery of materials. And then you also need to file your lawsuit on the bond no later than one year from your last work or delivery of materials. Now, keep in mind that there may be other payment bonds on the project that are in addition to the contractor's bond. So we said that the owner may require the general contractor to get a bond, but the general contractor could require, uh, if we take my example, the plumber to get a bond. And if the plumber has to get a bond and you are supplying materials to the plumber or you're a sub to the plumber, you could make a claim on that subcontractor bond just like you could make a claim on the general contractor's bond. The problem is, is that that sub bond is not recorded in the public record. Only the general contractor's bond is recorded and is in the public note in the public records. So how do you get a copy of this subcontractor bond? Well, you could ask the subcontractor, but they'd like you not to make a claim on their bond. So they may be less willing to provide it to you. But the one person that would love for you to make a claim on their bond um, ideally, instead of theirs, is the general contractor. So making a request of the general contractor to see if the subcontractor has a payment bond is one surefire way to find out if the sub is bonded. Also know that even if there's no bond by the general contractor, sometimes the subcontractor may in fact have a bond. So don't think that the contractor has to have a bond have a bond for the sub to have a bond it's possible that the sub has a bond and the gc does not so in that case you may have lien rights on the project and also have a bond claim against the subcontractor so where do we see subcontractor bonds typically it's on larger jobs where the subs scope of work is either complex or expensive so it's pretty common to to think that on for example a large $80 million condominium where the mechanical contractor's contract is uh, $10 million, 
that the general contractor is going to require that that mechanical contractor to get a bond. So if you were the supplier to the mechanical contractor or the sub to the mechanical contractor, they may have a bond. So you need to make sure you're aware of that and that you're looking for it. So let's talk about the deadlines for state public bonded projects. So what's the general rule? If you have a direct contract with the bonded contractor, as I told you before, when you have a direct contract with a bonded contractor on a, on a private job, just like on a public job, you do not need to send a notice to owner. Again, I strongly recommend that you do, but it's not required. Um, and this next tidbit usually uh, causes people to second guess themselves, but interestingly, on a state public bonded project, if you have a contract with the bonded contractor, you don't need the notice to owner, and you also don't even need to send a notice of non-payment. I recommend that you do, but it's not required under st Section 255, which is the uh, statute that governs public bonded projects. So the only requirement that you have is to file a lawsuit on that bond no later than one year from your last work or delivery of materials on the project. Um, so the reason that it's important to know what the rules are, even though I'm telling you, you should still send a notice to owner and you should still timely serve a notice of non-payment is I have had clients come to me and they've made the mistake of not serving the notice, but they believe that they were, were, they were required to. And therefore, because they didn't, they just assume they had no rights. I had to tell them, well, actually in this very unique situation, you do have rights and it's still within a year so we can file a lawsuit on the uh, payment bond for the public job. Again, remember, this is only if you have a direct contract with the bonded contractor on a state public bonded project. So what if you have, uh, what if you're a subcontractor, uh, sorry, a sub subcontractor or a supplier to the sub, what are the rules? Um, this is gonna become, now more uh, consistent. So you need to serve your notice to owner, notice to contractor within 45 days of your first work or delivery of materials. You also need to serve a notice of non-payment within 90 days of your last work or delivery of materials. And you have to file that lawsuit in court no later than one year from your last delivery of materials. And as I told you before on private jobs, also know that on public projects, the general contractor may require their subs to post payment and performance bonds. And if so, you may have a right as a sub-sub to that bonded sub or as a supplier to the subcontractor if they have a bond. So you need to look for a copy of that subcontractor bond. So let's talk about how to get paid. Um, well, the notice of non-payment only starts the process. Um, that document needs to be received by the surety and the contractor no later than 90 days. They're going to get that document and the surety is going to send two letters. They're going to send a letter to the bonded contractor and say, hey, we received this claim from your plumber. Tell us what's going on. So that letter goes to the bonded contractor. The second letter that's sent is a letter that's sent to you saying we've received your claim. Please fill out this proof of claim form and return it to us. 
under Florida law, there is no obligation to provide that proof of claim. We typically find that the proof of claim form is used to stall payments and to find reasons why that payment may not be due, right? So for example, maybe they, when you fill out the form, it'll ask you, when was your last work on the job? And the last work on the job may have been a hundred days ago and you've submitted that uh, claim and you needed to timely serve a notice of non-payment within 90 days. And it turns out you did it in a hundred days. They're going to reject your, your claim. Now, obviously if you did it late and you needed to serve it, then you have no rights anyways, but just be aware that there's no obligation in Florida to complete this proof of claim form um, when you are dealing with the bonded general contractor. The exception to this rule is that if you are a, for example, sub-subcontractor making a claim on the subs bond, the process that you need to follow is what is listed in the bond. So you have to get a copy of the bond that was issued by the subcontractor and read it and see what the claim process is in that bond. Maybe it's to provide certain backup, maybe it's to provide certain notices, maybe it's not to provide anything, um, but that's the process you need to follow. Uh, but generally speaking, you can ignore the proof of claim. You can fill it out. There's no harm in doing so if all the information is accurate and timely, um, but just know that you don't have to. So most sureties will not pay you voluntarily unless their principal agrees to pay you first. The principal is the bonded contractor. And the reason is simple. The principal, the bonded contractor, owes a obligation of indemnity to the surety. So if the surety were to write you a check, the surety is gonna look right to the general contractor and say, we paid the plumber $100,000, you need to pay us 100000 It's not like GEICO or Progressive on your auto insurance where you submit a claim, the claim gets paid, maybe you, they, your car was totaled, they write you a check for $50,000, your premiums may go up, but you don't have to pay back the 50000 Surety is not like that. Surety ship is an indemnity product. So when the surety writes a check, they look to be reimbursed 100%. So the surety doesn't want to pay you if the contractor doesn't want to pay you. So the fact that the contractor hasn't paid you already is a strong indication that the surety is not likely going to pay you. One of the ways you see this happen is that if you bring a claim on the payment bond, sometimes the person that writes you the check to pay you is the principal on the bond, the general contractor. You have to watch out for the shortening of your claim period. There are means for uh, contractors or owners to submit paperwork to you that will shorten the time that you have to make the claim. Um, so be aware of, of any documents you receive after you serve your notice of non-payment because you may have to file that lawsuit. I told you it was within one year. There are ways for it to be shortened down to 60 days or even 20 days. So the way you'll know is you'll get something in the mail or you'll be served with certain legal paperwork don't ignore that paperwork. You need to make sure that you are on top of it. And then I mentioned this to you before, watch out for the surety waiting you out. You have one year from your last work to file a lawsuit, to, fork, uh, to, make a, to file the lawsuit on the payment bond. 
if you just wait for the surety to do the right thing and they wait you out more than a year, they will then deny the claim. So as you get closer to the year uh, and, you're, and you, you've decided to keep waiting, just know that if you don't get a satisfactory answer, which typically means a check in the mail, then you need to hire a lawyer and file that lawsuit right away. Do not keep waiting. So when will they pay you? Um, uh, you know, what's the fastest way to get paid? I would recommend you practice what I call the 60-60 rule. 60 days from your last work on the project, you should start, you should already be thinking about submitting your notice of non-payment. I told you the deadline is 90 days. You should not be waiting till the 85th day to do this. You should start no later than the 60th day. So you're gonna prepare all the paperwork. Sunray can do the notice of non-payment for you. That gets submitted timely and it's timely served well before the 90 days expire. Then for the next 60 days after you submit your notice of non-payment, you hassle the customer and the surety for payment. Frequent phone calls, emails, letters, show, in, show up in people's offices, be a thorn in their side to uh, get them to pay you. The more of a hassle that you are, the higher likelihood it is that you'll get paid. Our most successful clients at collections have a um, tenacious uh, attitude when it comes to getting paid. They are making phone calls and sending emails on a weekly or sometimes daily basis to their customers and the sureties when there are delinquent payments. So I recommend you do that for the next 60 days. It's possible that between the pressure that you bring to bear on the customer and the surety that you get paid. You never have to hire a lawyer. But if that doesn't work, I, at, at that point, I do not recommend you wait much past the 60 days to decide to hire a construction lawyer to start the collection process, which, would, which is typically a letter on our letterhead. So now they know you've hired a lawyer so that you've escalated the situation. And if that doesn't work within a week or so, we typically file a lawsuit right away. We don't wait until the one year deadline. We do it right away. Um, now there are reasons that you may decide to wait, business reasons. For example, maybe you have five jobs with this contractor. He owes you $10,000 on this job. You know, you'd like to get paid. You've submitted your bond claim. You've timely perfected your rights. But you know what? I've got these four other jobs. They're much bigger. I'm just gonna let it all roll and we'll, we'll deal with it in time. That's a perfectly legitimate business reason to decide to wait. But if you don't have a really good reason to wait, waiting by itself to, in the hopes that you get paid, in my experience, is a very poor strategy. It doesn't like, it, it's not likely to get you paid. Thank you, everybody.